Welcome to the Live Leadership Podcast with myself, Leela Singh. All things coaching, career, and personal branding. This podcast is for ambitious career professionals like you, wanting to create a life of choice and freedom, to be, do, and have more through overcoming limitations, to develop new perspectives and insights, and to redefine your success, be that in work, health, relationships, and so much more. In today's episode, I am speaking with Panise Gorgi. Panise is a public sector client executive with Microsoft in Canada. Prior to joining Microsoft, she held a variety of sales and business development roles within some of the largest corporations across North America, including Oracle, ADP, and Xerox. Her passions include supporting organizations' transformation through adoption of technology and helping leaders build a more inclusive workplace by bridging the gender gap. She is currently co-managing Dr. Roberta Bondar's STEM Career Development Program with Women in Communication and Technology. Panise is a content creator and is an active member of LinkedIn. Outside of work, she focuses on her family and friends and enjoys the outdoor life in the Greater Toronto area with her dog. In today's episode, Panise talks about the impact of surrounding yourself with a strong network, why she takes a stand for herself and for others, about being the change and not waiting or following others, knowing who you are and showing up authentically, always. What makes us is not what happens to us, it's what we learn from it and why hiring a coach is one of the best investments she ever made. So let's head over and hear what Penny's has to say. Penny's, hi there, and welcome to My Brand HQ. How are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, Leela. How are you doing? I am very well, thank you for asking, and it's great to have you with us today. So I wanted to dive straight into the questions because I know we've got lots to talk about. Um, so let's start by having you share your challenges and how you overcame them in your early years. Can you tell me a little bit more about those? Sure. Maybe I'll start with my journey a little bit uh, for your audience as well so that they know what my background is and where I came from. So I'm originally born and raised in Iran, moved to Canada in 2005 for school and then from there I obviously I got my higher education and then I started working uh, originally I started uh, with Xerox and then I uh, made my way into tech I'm currently working with Microsoft and as part of that some of the early challenges that I had um, to highlight really is the English is not my first language uh, you know, moving from a country where uh, Farsi is my, my first language and the culture and the um, social norms are, are a little bit different. Getting adjusted to that in Canada was a bit challenging for me. And considering that I moved by myself at age of 19, I had to, you know, I didn't have the support that I needed at a time from a parental uh, perspective, obviously, as well as didn't have a network of people who could be there to support me. So I sort of built that from ground up and it was challenging because as simple as a, getting a cold and not having somebody to take care of you, you know, it, it gets very hard and it you get to grow up very quickly in my opinion. And in addition to that was, uh, you know, there are a lot of discussions around career development and how you 
find your first uh, job out of school. Um, well, I didn't have the benefit of having a network, so I had to build that network and I started going to these career fairs that uh, you know, you get to share your resume. And I was very fortunate that somebody took a bet on me and they hired me at Xerox. But I also recognize that a lot of people are not privileged enough to come across individuals who will take a chance on them and give them an opportunity. So I would highlight those as some of my early challenges. Fantastic. And there's a lot going on there. So tell me, you know, what was it you did really to to because you talked about your network and building out your network what else did you do to overcome them because I'm I'm assuming in some way it impacted you and might have held you back possibly um I would say yes um I still made the best of it as as I possibly could have right like I um build a community uh, and I so I I lived in Halifax which is a smaller city in in the eastern uh part of Canada and uh you know we we tend to so it's 95% Canadian and 5% immigrants right so it, at the time at least that I moved uh it has uh grown since but it was that they say, if you can see it, you can be it, right? I couldn't see it, right? There wasn't a lot of people like me who were um, immigrants and didn't have the ability to, um, or didn't have access to the network. So for me, it was, I went two directions, obviously. One was building my immediate community, which hunting for people that look more like me and they their names maybe stood out and they weren't your typical names that that um, you come across and then at school I started building my network with individuals there right like because it was important for me to have a good network um, in my education side as well as I got out of the education system then it was building my network from there which um, I think we, we're going to get a little bit into this, but it was building my brand and showing up as my authentic self and being the person who I am, regardless of whether it's in school, whether it's my workplace, whether it's in my community, whatever that case might be. And that's how I really built my my community that way. And I've been doing that a little bit now as at um, in my existing um, role as well. So I do, um, I'm a seller for Microsoft working with um, municipalities, police services and government agencies. But what I notice is that I have the ability to, uh, you know, tap a little bit into the, the social um, uh, frameworks also and support some of the people that work um, and have challenges um, out there. Um, and I, that's how I started my LinkedIn profile and build my brand on LinkedIn. So, well, I'll, I'll leave that for, for our next discussions, but that would be some of the ways that I started building my community. Fantastic. And it's, it's great that you kind of recognize that at young age, kind of because you had to, the importance of having those people around you, right? Building the community, building a network and how, how it would benefit you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So tell me, what was your initial experience as you joined the world of tech? Um, it was a bit challenging um, because, you know, there, there's a lot of, it's a very male dominated, dominated um, 
industry to begin with, but I'm not um, really, um, I've been exposed to that in my education life also, because I did engineering and I sometimes joke about it, uh, which is not really funny, funny, but when we started our um, program, it was me and two other women in a classroom of 250 people. So we certainly were the minority. And I, when I was at my previous company, I also noticed that where a lot of my peers didn't look like me, um, a lot of the people that I reported to didn't look like me. And I'm fortunate working in a company that they recognize the importance of diversity, inclusion, and belonging, because I think the, the first two mean nothing without the third one, where you actually feel like you belong, your opinion matters. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was very challenging for me when I first started in tech, and I had to continue to prove myself. It wasn't sort of a, um, you know, they, they say give the person the benefit of the doubt. It certainly wasn't like that. It was more of a, hurt, hey, you earn it. Even though I worked really hard to be at that company, I went through the proper process um, of the hiring process. I got interviews with multiple people. So you would have assumed that at the time that I joined the company, I sort of had that check mark that, hey, this person is credible um, to be in this role. But uh, nonetheless, I still had to prove myself. And they were very difficult conversations where I had to have with the leadership also that um, it didn't sit right with me at a time. And being in the role that I am in now, I feel completely different because I see a lot of people like me, even in management. Uh, my, my VP, for example, is a female, right? So uh, again, it goes back to my, my comment of if you see it, you can be it. And it, it's nice to see that those individuals exist, but certainly wasn't short of challenges, uh, both from a, you know, any new job has its own learning curves um, that you need to, um, the, from a um, technical perspective or from a skilling perspective, whatever it might be, right? And having these extra um, stress factors on, on top of that, it never makes it easy. And then it goes back to that diversity and inclusion piece also, so that you don't, it's sort of, you come in, if I'm um, put against or I'm next to somebody else who doesn't look like me, then we bring the same value. It's sort of a given, but um, anyhow, those were some of my my challenges that I faced. And and so when you you talk there about having to you know having going through a, a raft of interviews and then still feeling like you had to continually prove yourself, was that the exception rather than the rule? So that was an exception for some people rather than an expectation across the board. You know, it's hard for me to say what other people experience not being in their shoes, but I have, I feel that if you go through that entire process where you get um, quote unquote qualified for a position, then it shouldn't be a need for you to have to redo that entire process. It's, it's like, I'm certainly in favor of, you know, you need to prove yourself in, in the role that you're in. 
uh, by, you know, I'm a seller, for example, I carry quota. If I don't perform in my role and I don't meet my quota, yes, it's questionable. But if I carry my quota and I, and I prove that I'm credible and yet I still get questioned um, for, for how I show up or, uh, you know, because I'm younger and I'm a female, I might not have the experience that they're looking for. Um, and then there is that little piece of the, the pay equity piece that also comes into it, which I'm, um, I think that we need a better pay equity from a female versus uh, male. However, I don't have to prove myself to be to, to say, hey, I'm qualified for this role rather than I'm filling a um, DNI, you know, um, component. Um, so th that's what I mean by saying I didn't, I felt like I had to continue to prove myself, even though the numbers and my performance and everything else add up to show those are the facts um, to show that I'm credible. I still felt that I still had to show up a little differently to gain the respect. Right, right. Interesting, interesting to hear that. And, and I know, you know, it's prevalent across a number of organizations. And I think we're slowly, slowly seeing a shift, but not everywhere, unfortunately. And, and before I go on to the next question, I just wanted to pick up on something else you said there about diversity and inclusion. Um, and you said it doesn't really work without having the belonging. So tell me a little bit about that. How can, um, whether it's leaders or whether it's organizations, create that sense of belonging? Yeah. So um, I'll use a bit of a longer answer for that. And, and I'll tell you why in a minute. So I'm extremely passionate about helping leaders close that gender gap in STEM specifically, right? Uh, maybe because I it resonates with me a little bit more um, because I feel that a lot of and I work with a lot of younger women um, in the early stages of their career who are, um, you know, PhD grads um, in engineering or in science or in math, you name it, and they get into the workforce uh, because they're fitting a DNI component they show up and they don't enjoy what they do because the workplace and the work environment is not set up in a way where they feel included and they don't feel that they belong. And what happens is it's not just about hiring, it's also about retaining these people in STEM, in technology, in science. And if we don't create an environment where women feel and non-binary people don't feel they have a voice and their vo it's one thing to have a voice. It's another thing to get heard. Your voice gets heard, right? If we don't create environments where women feel like they belong, they leave. Yeah. And if they leave, then, and I was sharing these stats in the past where over the past, in 1970, there was, 38, sorry, 28% female representation in STEM. In 2021, there is 38%. So 
decades worth of work and we're only up by 10%. And I joked and I said, hey, if there was a company that was in, you know, around for 40 years and their profit only went up by 10%, would you call that company successful? Probably not. It probably will go bankrupt, right? And the reason for these stats is that there is not enough representation of women and non-binary people in STEM holding these jobs because they kind of get pushed out because that belonging and that inclusion doesn't exist. So that's what I mean by there's there's diversity. You can hire many people of you know many races, many colors, many religions, many backgrounds, whatever the case may be. But if you don't, if they constantly feel excluded, that inclusion doesn't exist and they don't feel like belong and they can't collaborate. And we all know that teamwork you know, increases the, the efficiency and effectiveness of whatever you're doing. But if we are not feeling that belonging, then it doesn't, the DNI means nothing. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. And it, I think it's important to recognize that again, you know, we hear a lot of that now that companies talk about diversity, but the inclusion piece, the belonging piece isn't there to support people. And you talked about retention, which is the, even for an organization, it's the very costly to have to rehire. So retention makes more sense. And the little things that you can do and put in place to, to, to keep the people there rather than having to go out and hire again is it, significant. Absolutely. So tell me, in, in all of your experiences you've had, um, which are diverse through your early years, what was your biggest lesson, would you say? My biggest lesson is to always show up as who you are, right? Because, you know, authenticity is one of the most important things for me. Um, because so being in a, in a seller role, I, I am an external um, representation of the company who I present. And I have the privilege of building relationship with my customers and being in tech, uh, you know, it's a very small world. There are, um, if, if you like working in corporations, there are a handful of corporations that are, you know, the, the top of the line um, technology corporations. And then uh, if you were re representing one company versus another one and you move, your customer end up being the same people sometimes, right? So it's so important to show up as your true self and who you are. Um, and I think that's what worked in my advantage uh, over the years where I, I am who I am and this is how I show up. I have values that I represent and I work for companies that align with those values because I think that's another thing that's important. I always say, if I can't, I can't sell a product, I don't believe in because I'm not that type of person. So it's important to make sure that you represent an organization that aligns with your personal values. And it sort of goes into that purpose where, you know, I, I, I think you and I chatted a little bit in the past about this piece, about the purpose. And I say some, I was a little bit of a, there was a little bit of a dilemma for me, for example, where I thought, okay, is it better if we understand our purpose in our 20s or do we, is it better, it works in our advantage if we understand our purpose in our 30s? And, 
And, you know, for, for me, at least in my twenties, uh, my mindset was very different, right? It was about uh, finding another job that pays more and, and, you know, working for this company that their brand is recognized and blah, blah, blah. And you soon get to realize life is more than like, I'm, I'm not talking about having the meeting the bare minimum, like everybody needs, you know, the, the uh, Maslow's hierarchy. But what I mean is it, you get to a point in life where you need to have a purpose. You need to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And, and, and for me, it was, you know, for me to hit that purpose, the component that really took me to that was knowing who I am, my self-awareness, showing up authentically to really pursue that purpose that I have. Yeah, I love that. I love what you said there. And, you know, I think it's it's something that is becoming more and more talked about now is to really know who you are, to understand yourself, to then be able to understand what is your purpose. But as you say, well, first of all, it can evolve over time you talk about 20s and 30s but actually get into your 40s that purpose could change and so on so it's tuning in and actually listening to yourself and hearing okay what is it that really lights me up what is it that fills me with passion and I can see when you talk about what you do you are passionate about it and I want to bring you back to what you said at the, at the start of that question um, around customers moving with us because I'm a huge believer in that. And when I, when I embarked on, on this journey, started talking about personal branding, that was a, an example that I'd referenced regularly. Is, you know, as you said, you could work from the biggest organized, global organizations to the smallest, but at the end of the day, you know, yes, that's a brand that you work for, but you are your own brand. And people deal with people. And they'll remember you as the individual. I think it's Maya Angela quote, isn't it? As, as um, people remember how you make them feel. So they'll remember how you make them feel. And if you have a good relationship, particularly sales, which is so, so important, they will follow you. If they need to buy, they'll be picking up the phone to you before they're picking up the phone to the company that you worked for. Absolutely. The first, you know, first port of call. And whether you can help them or not is a, then a discussion to be had. But it's the relationships and that's whether as you talked about community and, and networking is so so important um and another thing just to, to mention here as well um is um this is Zig Ziglar quote he talks about everyone is in sales so it doesn't have to be just about you being in a sales role whatever we do whether you work in a back office role in HR in finance in a techie role or in a, a client facing sales role we're all in sales because we have those internal or external customers and you want to build those strong relationships with them, which means you want to show up as your best self, understand yourself, be authentic, and people will remember you for that. And people want to work with you. They'll want to hire you or they'll want to buy from you. Absolutely. hundred percent agree with that. And, you know, we all interview for roles and that's where we sell ourselves in a very short period of time to people who absolutely have no idea about who we are, right? Yeah. So I 100% agree with that. And some people say, fake it until you make it. I don't believe in that. I believe in show up as your true self because people read through um, 
you know, when, when you're pretending to be somebody you're not, people easily will read through it. So it's always important to be authentic, in my opinion. Um, and uh, I agree with you 100%. We, we are all selling, even our relationships, we're se selling our values to our partner and to, you know, our friends and all that. So 100% agree with what you said. Mm, yeah, and, and I agree with you there on fake it till you make it. I think, you know, you're then becoming incongruent in how you show up and people will sense it. They may not sense exactly what's going on, but they'll sense something isn't right. And that will impact the trust and the relationship that we're trying to build. So showing up as your true authentic self and working on those things that maybe you've not quite um, refined or nailed yet is okay. It's okay not to know the answer to everything, but being Absolutely. authentic and honest about it um, will, will take you a lot further forward. So tell me then, how did you begin to make your voice known? So I think a portion of that really goes back to my childhood. I was never shy of expressing how I felt or what I believed in. Uh, you know, however you want to, <laughs> you know, some people say, uh, you know, when, when you're a child and you, you're uh, you get your voice heard, uh, they think that you're a troublemaker. Uh, in my opinion, it was very important for me to stand up for what I believed in um, and what was important to me. And I continue to do that today. And a portion of that really grew up with me, right? And, and I think that it's important to um, acknowledge that I brought up in an environment where my parents allowed me to um, take a stand for myself and, and to express myself. So um, I think that's where it really all started. And when I felt that somebody, um, you know, they, they, their voices didn't get heard because maybe their voices weren't louder than the others. And I'm, I don't mean by volume, but, but by, you know, you sit at a room in a, in a conference room and somebody tries to express themselves and they quickly get shut down, right? So for me, that's not okay. And I will call that out where I say, hey, so-and-so had their hand up or so-and-so had a comment to make. And that's, that's another way that I show up where I not only let my own voice to get heard, but I also create an environment for other people's voices to get heard and um i would say for example so i have a podcast uh called voices with panese where for me it was a creating a platform where other people can show up and tell their story and the journey that they went through and get their voices heard because to me it's extremely important and i believe that you can either be the change or you can wait for somebody else to do that and you just you know you can either follow it or not that's your choice but if you if you see something that doesn't sit right with you be that voice and express it because it's important. It goes back to your true values and your integrity and what you believe in. So um, that's that's what I would say about that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I agree wholeheartedly. And I think 
you know, as you say, it's it's for those who can to make a stand for others and to call it out when other people are being shut down from speaking, from making their voice heard so that people recognize actually it's not okay to do that. 100%. So tell me, first of all, we, we've talked prior to this and um, you shared some experiences with me. So how have you handled being knocked down in your professional life? Um, I took a pause and I reflected and it wasn't that easy at first. Obviously I, um, you know, I felt all of those emotions. I, um, lost belief in myself. Um, I felt that maybe I wasn't good enough. Um, and it wasn't easy. Like, I think it's important for people to understand that everybody life goes through ups and downs right it's not always the highs that make us it's the lows that really make us and I had those lows I got laid off and I was carrying a mortgage and I was supporting my family and um, not having enough savings was a lot of stress for me for example where I felt hey how am I going to deal with this and am I not good enough right so I really had to um, rebuild myself in terms of, you know, um, hey, Panice, this is a good reminder. You came from Iran as a 19-year-old and you made a life for yourself in Canada where you had zero support. And if you could do that, you can do anything. And it was a good reminder for me. And it wasn't easy. Like I said, it didn't just come to me. I had to go through those emotions. It's like sort of like a grief thing, right? Where you, you um, go through it, you understand it, but don't let that hold you down. Remember who you are and what you're capable of and get up and stand up and, and fight for what you believe in. And that could be as simple as, hey, I know who I am and I know how capable I am. And I know that this is just the circumstances. It, it is not a reflection of me failing, but rather it could be the failure of the organization also, right? There's a lot of components and I'm not really getting into that because that is a whole conversation of its own, but it's more of a believing in, in what you, who you are and what you're capable of and not letting the outside no, noise to really knock you that down. And it gets easier. The, the more it happens, I think that duration where you, you grieve and you doubt yourself and then you get back up just gets shorter and shorter and shorter to a point that when it happens for the, I don't know, 70th time, you just you know, get up, shake yourself and move on. So I think that's, that's really what happened for me to just get back from all those moments where I got knocked down. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, in what you've explained now, it's important to, to recognize we all get knocked down. It's what we do with that and how we deal with it and our response. And yes, as you use the word grieving and, you know, the, the self-doubt it might create for us. Yes, that's okay. However, you want to be aware of the fact that, yeah, we can grieve for a period of time and feel sorry for ourselves and 
feel that being knocked down but ultimately what do you then do with that do you get up and and go for it again or do something differently or learn from that and and that's the biggest takeaway from 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 being knocked down I think you brought up a really good point and that's the learning of it right learning and not focusing so much on the failure itself but what I learned from this because it it happens no matter you know, it's not just in your career, but it also in your personal life, it happens. And it's all of those learning so that you don't make the same mistakes all over again. So 100% agree with you. Yeah, completely. And so you talked about understanding who you are. So can you share a little bit about that in terms of how you've developed that self-awareness, let's say, of, of understanding who you are? Was it just over time? Was it personal development? Was it you know, just introspection, what, how did you get to that point? So it was a little bit of everything. Um, I'm huge in um, self-help books. Uh, you know, I used to, I used to read a lot of um, novels when I was a kid. And then when I reached adulthood, I, I had a huge focus on really uh, learning who I am um, and being okay with who I am. Um, as part of that, I, I got to learn a lot of, you know, I, I, I listen to podcasts and I read a lot to really understand um, some of the, the factors of why we show up, how we show up. What does it really mean? And in addition to that, um, last year in August, I was in a very low moment of my life where I think with, with uh, COVID, a lot of people went through that um, experience where, you know, you felt um, maybe not your greatest and you felt a bit down. And I certainly went through that in addition to some other stuff that happened both personally and professionally, where I, start, where I started self-doubting and not having that confidence, despite all the books that I read and all the things that I listen to, it was just a moment in my life where I felt maybe I'm, the, I'm on the wrong path, right? I even thought about quitting my job and starting something completely different. And what I've done is invest in myself by hiring a career coach. And I think it's extremely important because you think about all these athletes and they have coaches that, you know, they, they might be the best at what they do, but they still need some guidance. Right. And I think those are extremely important. People talk, for example, to um, psychologists, for example, if they're going through a hard time because they help them get out of that, right? And for me, it was the best investment I've made in myself um, to hire a career coach. And uh, what she helped me was to shift my mindset. And I think that worked truly in my advantage because when you're in the moment where you think things are not going right, or you have some self-doubt, is all of those negative things that enters your mind. And I think we're our worst self-critics. And 
you know, a lot of people, for example, tell me, hey, please, you're, you're amazing and you're doing all of this work and blah, blah, blah. But when I'm alone with my own voices in my head, I all of those self-doubts come in and I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not doing enough or maybe I could do more and things like that. And it was so important for me to work with this individual who called me out at the times that I was giving excuses, right? When when I had, and I'm, I'm pretty good in terms of being consistent and committed, but there are times where you, you are like, okay, is this even worth it, right? And having that person who, and it's not just giving you the answers, but rather asking you the right questions where you come to your own conclusions as why you're doing what you're doing. And um, so I would say it's a combination of, and it's, sorry, it's a really long answer, but I want, want it to be um, understood that it, it's not just one thing and you need to continue to work on yourself it's it you continue to evolve and learn and and a portion of that also is uh for me to to look at what other people have done right like not in terms of hey they're doing better than me but rather what have they accomplished and what challenges they overcame to be where they are and to become who they are um that were also important for for my self-development and my growth yeah Thank you for sharing that and very very insightful and and for also thank you for being so open as well um and it's so true what you say you know of course i'm an advocate to having a coach but i've always had a coach myself for the last nine ten years now and as you rightly say you know no matter how good you are you can always up level that you know one percent let's say and having that person to to challenge you and to, to have you look at things in a different way is, is incredibly powerful. Um, and it's not a case of you have to have a load of problems to come to a coach with. It's just simply about your perspective on the world. And sometimes we don't see things because we're in it. Like you were in a situation. We've all been in situations and they become bigger than us. And it's we struggle. But actually having that coach who can ask those powerful questions and help us to get out of that that situation that more often than not we've created by the thinking that we have or the beliefs that we hold it is you know life-changing and and I also love the fact that you said there about evolving and learning and growing it's 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 an ongoing process in life so yeah great to hear you know you're constantly investing in yourself and you know in that person's development journey because it's it's a great place and it's an exciting place to be. And, and, you know, you also mentioned about, you know, seeing what other people are doing. For me, what came to mind, as you said, that was the inspiration. It's not about comparison and thinking, well, they've done this and how, how can, you know, how comes they've done that and I haven't? And it's actually, if they can do it, so can I. It's seeing what people are doing and thinking, wow, I'd love to be able to do that and being inspired and motivated to go create that for yourself. Absolutely. I think that that you you hit the nail on the head where you said inspiration. And that's that's the word that I didn't really refer to, but that's exactly what I meant. And I am a huge uh, fan of Simon Sinek and what he talks about is healthy rivals. Right. These are your rivals, not in terms of him hey, comparing myself to that individual, but getting inspired. But by, by what they have accomplished so that 
I believe in myself and knowing that I can do the same thing. So hundred percent agree. Yeah. And that, that's part of the purpose of this podcast it's, is to have people like yourself come and talk and show other people what is possible. You know, whether it's challenges you've overcome or, you know, what's inspired you, what your vision is, it's to show people actually there is a huge world out there and anything is possible. So it's great that you're sharing your story with us today. And you touched earlier on personal branding. So tell me a little bit more about that. How do you define that? Um, and how important is it for you? Um, so, so from a personal brand perspective, I know that there are a lot of people who talk about personal branding, right? And I, I think that it's the same as, you know, if, if you go and shop for something, if you know the brand, you're more lenient to purchase that, whatever it might be, rather than an unknown brand that you you don't know what they represent or if the quality is even good right um, and I think the same applies to companies and to people because their brand and how you show up is important and you need to have a consistent brand you know it's not a your Panice shows up as this type of this version of herself at work and then shows up online on LinkedIn as, as this other version of herself, right? That is not a consistent brand. And to be able to build your brand, I believe, at least for me, it was understanding who I am, what my um, values are, what my mission is, what my goal is in life and what my purpose is, right? It goes back to that um, knowing your why and tying you know, your what and your how to your why from a personal brand perspective. And I've done a lot of work and I um, thank my coach for that because she really guided me through it. But it is important how you show up every day and how you build that brand and to be consistent with your brand. Because Having a consistent brand over time, build that trust with people. And those people could be your colleagues, could be your family, could be your customers, could be anybody, you know, you, you might not even know them, but they know you. And that's really important because if you, you know, sometimes we, and I, this has happened to me in the past where I started so I'm very active on LinkedIn and obviously I'm sharing inspirational videos and things like that because it's important for me, it was important to share my story because if the impact was important to me, if the customers that I serve and I get on the call, bring that up to me and say, hey, Penise, you are making an impact out there. Thank you for showing up as how you are. Thank you for inspiring people. And that was never my goal to inspire my, like, it wasn't a, a, a mean to an end for me where I, um, you know, inspire my customer necessarily. It was just, it was very nice that it worked that way, but it, it is that consistent brand is so important and having a personal brand is important in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I agree with everything you, you said there, and particularly the consistency piece is important because as you say, if, if we don't have that 
consistency, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to start to lose trust from people. And it's not just in the workplace, it's, you know, your social circle, your family. So it, and personal brand for me is your reputation. So it's what people are saying about you and, and, and how you make them feel. And it's all of those things that we don't necessarily have in our awareness, but we naturally have a, almost a brand identification for people, although we're not consciously thinking about it. But if someone said, Let, could you describe that person? You're talking about their brand, right? And you want it to be in a positive way because it is your reputation. That's so true. So true. So share with me, Panise, about the program, the CEO program that you're involved in and what got you involved in that. Um, so CEO is a very interesting program. It started years ago by Vicky, and I'm only an activator in that group, but um, what they do is um, they get activators basically and they uh, put their, these activators put their own money in because as you know, a lot of people, especially women, when they want to start their own business, for example, the funding are less, the processes are lengthier, uh, the, the trust in them accomplishing what they can is a little bit less. And what Vicky has done is recognizing that gap across the world. And I don't think it's in Canada or the US or UK or Australia or wherever it may be, right? I think it's a, unfortunately a, a global challenge that we have um, where it's harder for women to get the funding that they require. So think about it as like a crowdfunding type of approach where people put in their own money to fund other women achieve their dreams. And what happens is there are ventures that come and present themselves saying that this is what um, I've done. And there is uh, this woman who, for example, had um, the, her child has skin problems. And for years and years, she went and saw doctors and nobody could cure the problem. And she ended up creating, she's an uh, indigenous woman, and she ended up creating this cream that cured her child. And then she took that cream and sold it to all the other women on the, on the network that she had who had similar problems. It may have not been the exact same problem as her child, but similar, similar problems. And then she built her community. And from there, this you can now buy this product on, on the, like it's on the shelves at, at stores. But this, the CEO program allowed her to get access to funding and the networking that she required to exponentially grow her business that otherwise wouldn't be available to her. And then, so I followed this for about five years because I was invited to this, um, to some of their events through some of the other activators. And because it sits right with me and my values and my purpose, I wanted to be part of it so that I can highlight and contribute to the success of these women and, you know, we, we all would some someday when I might be in their shoes where I need the support that they're getting from others um, as part of this program. And I could be that person. And the beauty of it, and this is the part that I absolutely love, 
is um, everybody comes to the table with one ask. And um, I'm giving, getting goosebumps even telling you the story. At their last event, which was a, um, it was before COVID and it was in person, there's room of thousands of women and they come, you get to the stage to have one ask. And people, so for example, my ask, and, and this is just hypothetically, is that, hey, I came up with this product and I don't know people at the um, drug marts that I need to have access to. And there are people in the crowd who put their hand up saying that, hey, I know somebody at this location. And this other person says, oh, I need a, I know a um, pharmacist who's looking for this. And it's beautiful how they all come together. And, you know, we all, it's about having that ask and helping, but it can't go, you, you, you need both, right? Like it's wonderful that people want to help. But it's important to also ask, because if I only help you and you never felt like you can contribute to me, that relationship is not really a strong relationship. The strong relationship is I show up for you and you show up for me and reciprocal. And that's the bond that gets created. And I believe that like um, and like putting the financial support aspect of it aside, that's the part that really important where you have one ask and you can give back to your community and it applies to everybody. So um, that's why I got involved because it's a it's a beautiful thing that she's doing and it's global now, right? It shows that it being global shows how much gap there is out there. Yeah. That that people are standing up and in in supporting this venture that that she has created years ago that sounds incredible and it, i can imagine or only imagine being in a room like that because the the energy in that room would be just phenomenal it, it it certainly was and i i can't wait for more events like that where we can be in person because i you know we get that that energy in the room we all feed off of each other's energy right and it was so beautiful to see it and they do similar things online but I, I always think that being present in that space is always completely different experience and it's beautiful as well because it's 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 all about the law of reciprocity isn't it because even if you can maybe help one person and somebody else can then help you but it's all within that same community and you just don't know you know, I think sometimes people feel, well, I should only help someone if there's something they can offer me. But actually, the law of reciprocity doesn't matter if you just put your hand out and help others in some way, whether it is financially or an introduction, recommendation, you know, you'll, it'll come back to you in some way, in some shape or form, even if it's not from that person. Yeah, yeah, I do believe in karma too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it sounds beautiful. So tell me what is next for you, Panice? You know, I started this year, um, obviously with the work that I did last year, it was a lot of helping other people. And I was thinking about what would be my word for this year? And that is impact. And it's important for me, you know, impact isn't just, impact has many shapes and forms, right? My impact could be, somebody seeing my video on LinkedIn and get inspired and go do something, or it could be a, 
reminder that, hey, you need self-care and you need to take care of yourself and otherwise you won't be able to help others and take care of others, right? And at, at my job, it's the same thing. I, I love what I do because I can create impact with the organizations that I support. So what's next for me is to create more impact this year, to be more present. And, you know, the, the thing that I started this year, for example, was hosting those podcasts so that other people can also get inspired similar to the work that you're doing that they can get inspired by somebody like yourself me or anybody else um and knowing that if she's done it i can do it too so i want to create more impact this year and i one of the things that i'm doing is um the power of gratitude right like every day that i get up i write down what i'm grateful for. And I started it this year and I've been consistent with it. And I think it's important for us to um, create a world of love and gratitude. And I want to expand that. And that would be something I, I want to accomplish this year and keep growing it as the years that come. Amazing. That sounds beautiful. And, and, you know, you talked about the power of gratitude and I'm again, a huge believer in, you know, the more we recognize what we have and are grateful for, the more we will attract that into our world. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my coach even said, uh, you know, you don't operate from a place of scarcity, operate from a place of abundance and abundance comes from being grateful for what we have yeah. and not on the things that we don't have so it's being resourceful in having doubling down on what you have and knowing what your strengths are you know in 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 our education system unfortunately and in from where I grew up it was a lot of hey know what your weaknesses are and you know turn them into strengths and as part of the self-awareness that I have developed over the years for me is know your strengths and double down on your strengths because that's the that's the abundance piece that's being grateful for for who you are and what you have at your disposal i don't have to be like the person next to me they're great as they are and i'm great as who i am and it's just doubling down on what i'm given the skills that i have the superpowers that i have and really making that even bigger and bigger and more impactful. So, you know, it, it's so important. I, I never realized the importance of the power of gratitude until over the past six months, I would say. Wow, incredible. I love that. I love that as a story. And yeah, you're certainly making an impact out there in the world. For the Thanks. That you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for taking some time out to talk with me Panese it's been truly inspirational and insightful and I, I love everything you talked about today I think we're wholly in agreement when it comes to having your voice heard personal branding authenticity they're all things that align with my values as well wonderful thanks Leela for having me and inviting me to your podcast I'm grateful for that and hope your audience enjoyed the video as well
Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you enjoyed and gained value from today's episode, then do please leave a review telling us your key learnings and what you enjoyed the most. And do please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can spread the word on life leadership, creating a life of choice, freedom and new possibilities. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And if you would like to learn more about how we can work together, either DM me on LinkedIn or email me. All details and resources can be found in the show notes. 